Dave, what's going on? Hey, are we are we live? We are recording. Uh, when the listeners hear this, this will not be live. No. Oh, that's right. It's not live. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So I'm Al Sidholm, and that's Matt Sidholm, and this is the Mavs Podcast. Uh, we are almost one week into the year. Uh, still no theme music. Uh, we're going to work on that. Um, I'm thinking I, I don't want to get too too staty with this podcast. I just want to talk maps. I want to talk about yeah. what we're seeing, what yeah. like what observations. And also, we haven't really thought of the format yet. So uh, we may play around with maybe it's like five points, five observations, quick fire, mailbag. You know, we could go we can go a lot of directions here, but uh, let's yeah, just, let's eventually start. have enough feedback for a mailbag, and, and we can answer Matt's questions or at least yeah. our thoughts on questions. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, the only Mavs questions and observations we have are our own, and so. Um, Let's just start. Uh, let's just start from the top. I've got a few that I'll just throw out at you. Um, All right. First one, kind of radical, but uh, Darren Williams has hair now. He's back. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> He's I didn't back. Even, I didn't even recognize him. I he. Uh, I'm glad he didn't bring back that boy band beard. So from like five, six years ago, that was like overly, uh, you know, overly taken care of. So yeah, it was yeah, very thin, just right there along the chin and, and, and jawline, and yeah, I don't know. I, I feel I was like, how much time are we spending working on that beard, Darren? And should we be in the gym during that time? Yeah, okay. and you know, on the flip side, he still has that almost LeBron, I'm balding look going on. And being as a guy who shaved his head myself, uh, you know, you just get sick of shaving your head and you think having hair again would be easier, but now he's looking at his uh, balder spots every day. So uh, real quick, over under on how long this look lasts, what's your take? Uh, Let's say, even based on number of games? Uh, yeah, like goes, when, when he starts shaving his head again, will it be mid-season? Will he take this through the yeah, whole I year? Think, I think it's going to be around January. I think he's going to be making it maybe the new year, you know, depending on what the Mavericks, that's when the Mavericks schedule kind of lightens up, so maybe it's like he lightens up and just sort of trims it down and, and gets it going, you know. But then again, okay. he takes the ball up. Maybe he thinks that that would be bad luck, I think. Yeah, to his credit, yeah, I agree with that. The the superstition might play into this because he's easily been our best player to start the year. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's come out. He's, he's shot the ball really well. He's he's streaky. So, you know, in that, like, Indiana game, he had a monster third quarter. And then the fourth quarter in overtime, he didn't, he didn't shoot the ball real well. He had a couple turnovers, so. I think statistically, not, again, not to get too steady, it's like, but he's our. I think he's uh, he's putting up points, but uh, I don't think he did much Sunday night against the Rockets. 
<laughs> no, he just uh, he shoots really well. He's he's definitely morphed into uh, latter stage Jason Kidd with his just I I run the offense, I make my threes, I'm dependable, I play decent defense. You know, he's he's very much. I think he's almost a better version of that. He looks a little more. Uh, he looks a little quicker, but uh, I don't know. This leads me to my second point, which I don't think that really gets showcased on this team because we have such a lack of uh, players that create their own shots. And so everyone is almost graded on a negative curve because of that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's where I would disagree with your assessment of Darren Williams being a little better version of, of Jason Kidd in his latter days because Jason Kidd would just run the offense and share the ball and create shots for other people. But you're right. This team right now, you know, you got Darren Williams who will, you know, who can kind of pull up and shoot over people. They'll, they'll do some isolation for for Harrison Barnes and, they, you know, Dirk in his one game. We, we saw what they usually run for Dirk. But, yeah, we haven't seen a ton of just movement and, and passing and, and pick and roll and just kind of, you know, easy shot getting. It, it seemed like, I think that's what stood out to me in our first few games is, you know, especially those games against the Rockets, is they were always able to just go to James Harden and he could get to the rim and either get fouled or score or he could pull up. You know, he could always create for himself a good high percentage shot and the Mavericks are sometimes in a situation where, they're just not quite creating that easy high percentage shot. Without Derek, that's, that's going to hurt a little bit. But also, we're, we're hopefully moving, you know, on from him being our best player. So, yeah, I'd like to see somebody else step up into that role. But in, through these first few games, you haven't quite seen somebody who could just fill that role. And I thought that was the biggest difference. It, it'll be interesting when we play you know, Oklahoma City or, or even Portland coming up this week. They've got Damian Lillard, you know, and, and OKC with Russell Westbrook. It's like when we're just playing these guys, it's like and it makes it so hard to defend because we're totally relying on, you know, Wesley Matthews trying to shut somebody down one-on-one. Yeah, and uh, gosh, I – okay, so my next point, <laughs> I want to make very clear I really like – everybody on this team. There's nobody on this team that, that is an annoying player or somebody you don't like in any way. Very likable group of guys. But uh, in the off season, you heard so much about uh, new and improved Wes Matthews. You heard so much about Dwight Powell earning his contract. And both those guys almost look exactly the same as last year. And I say that, look, Wes Matthews, clearly healthier. He's still our shutdown guy in defense. I, his offensive game resembles mine. <laughs> and that's, I would like that to be a compliment, but it just isn't. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when he's wide open, when he's, every time he's remotely open for a three, he shoots it. And sometimes he gets hot. And you're like, all right, Wes Matthews. But uh, I think he's shooting 18% for the year on threes. And um, whenever he he goes mid-range, whenever he drives, I'm more scared 
than anything of a turnover happening or just complete embarrassment. And then he cries for right. a foul. And and it's just like I'm not gonna knock Wes Matthews. He's I just did, but I I Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna knock him as a person. I, I really like him. He's a very likable guy. But I think he's like a number four type starter trying to be like a number two or a number one and he's just not. Like uh and then Dwight Powell Man, that guy does so little. It's fascinating, right? Uh, yeah, he has not done as much. I, I kind of thought he and that second team would come in and, and really get quite a bit done. But I, I also wonder if it's just sort of a question of matchups to these first couple games because they, they played Indiana, who's, who's pretty solid inside, you know, with uh, with Paul George and even, even Miles Turner, who had a huge game, and then, you know, the Rockets, you know, with Nene and Clint Capella. It's like, is he just getting outperformed by some of these guys and, and maybe we got to wait? And, and granted, I'm saying we've got to play worse teams for him to look better, but um, I, I wonder if it's just not a good matchup for him through these first well, games. Well, and the other hypothesis is I wonder if, you know, I thought the same thing about Jay Crowder when he was here. I was just like, I want this guy to make the leap, and every time he plays, I'm I'm just less like, what does this guy do good at all, you know? Yeah. Um, and so maybe it's about him just getting a lot of playing time regardless. And I just don't think that happens under Rick, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a real mystery. I know he's not going anywhere, but, gosh, he just – I want nothing more than to come on this podcast next week and be be completely wrong. So this isn't about me rooting against him, but just coming out with some three duds. I've seen nothing from that guy. And um, well, I think the last couple of games without Dirk, I think you can see how the team, this team, doesn't really know how to one play together because a lot of these guys are new, but but also play without Dirk, and it's interesting when a team, even with new players around it, like I think everybody comes in knowing Dirk is the guy, especially when it comes down the stretch and and in clutch situations, and, you know, it's going to take a while uh, unless he just completely, until he's just gone and they just have to figure it out, but, you know, when he's gone for a game or two, it's going to get kind of ugly because I just don't think these guys know what their role is in between. And, you know, it would be great if Dwight Powell could just step up and, and start hitting some threes or doing some things. But, you know, Jay Crowder was sent to Boston and was immediately given just a larger role. And it was like, look, we, we want you to do these things. Yeah. And he immediately stepped into it, whereas that's not what he was asked to do here in Dallas. Yeah. No, and that's, that's the fear I have is, at what point do we just transition to – because let's look at this. I mean, we would rather have D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram than, uh, you know, Wes Matthews and Darren Williams. <laughs> and they – Wes Matthews and Darren Williams may be better players right now, you know. And so – and then we're seeing with the Cowboys, yeah, they had a terrible year, year last year, but – Getting that fourth pick really takes you to another level. So I'm I'm perfectly I'm the biggest Mavs homer there is out there, 
but I don't care about wins and losses this year. I'm strictly watching the game and just looking for players to develop. And um, it's fun when we win, but it's like I'm strictly looking at the development of this team, which leads me to my next point, which is Harrison Barnes is the best signing the Mavs have ever had at free agency. Because I I love that guy. Like, the more I look at him, you know, he gets – he gets knocked for being timid. He look, gets knocked for being a disappointment. I've heard, you know, from other podcasts, he doesn't have good basketball instincts, blah, blah, blah. I mean, a lot of that matches up with Dirk's criticism the first few years he was in the league, you know. And yeah. I'm not saying he's the next Dirk at all, at all. But could he develop into a cornerstone, a possible, like, number two guy for your team? I think without a doubt. I I I think he's he's a hard worker. He's uh you know, he had that big game, the first game against the Rockets, which was impressive. And you know, I I I could totally see him averaging, you know, twenty and twenty and six rebounds for the year and that would be awesome, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting in that first game against Indiana there was a little bit of a parallel at the end that I think a couple people pointed out, and I, I noticed it, you know, late in the game a couple of years ago in Chandler Parsons' first game of the Mavericks, they're playing the Spurs, and Dirk passes up a shot and goes to Parsons, and he kind of hesitates, but then he puts up the three, and he, he misses pretty badly, and they lose in San Antonio. And mm. you saw the same situation the other night. Dirk passes up the three gets it over to Barnes, and he just steps right into it and nails the three, we go to overtime. Now, obviously things fall apart in overtime, but just the fact that he's able to step up and, and hit that shot I thought was was huge. And then obviously the, the big big game at home on you know, last Friday night, putting up 31, which is a career high. I think yeah. people forget he was the number one player in the country when he came out of high school yeah. and was a preseason, preseason All-American as a freshman at North Carolina. And I think what has happened is that he's kind of just been on these really good teams where it's like he doesn't have to play that alpha role. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think the deal for Golden State to get him that year, they were a little bit – they were down a little bit. I think that was one of the years Curry got hurt for them. And so they weren't as good as they maybe could have been. They ended up with a lottery pick, and they got Harrison Barnes. And uh, obviously the team kind of went from there, but – I think it's going to take him a little bit of time, and he's already starting to do it. But, yeah, you got to kind of get back into that mode of being the top guy on the team. So I yeah. think he has that skill set. He's going to sort of just get better as the season goes on. I don't think he's going to average 30 or anything like that. But, yeah, I think he can be a – you know, he's averaging 20 a game right now. And I, I think that's a realistic expectation for him. And I think he's just going to continue to sort of figure things out and, and hopefully start being the guy that we can rely on down the stretch. Yeah, I I totally agree. I really like the signing, and uh, I like his attitude and his role and his development. And what's get, what gets oddly lost on Carlisle is, of course, they say, oh, he doesn't like playing rookies, he doesn't like developing young players that are on the bench, it seems. But whenever he has a starter, they have their best years with Carlisle, like he will, he will develop the hell out of his starters. And you know, look at an OJ Mayo, look at a uh, Monte Ellis. Like those guys, yeah. 
saved their careers by being starters for us. And I see the same thing with Barnes, you know, and, and that's, that adds actually to my frustration with Wesley Matthews because I would, I want to see Justin Anderson and Barnes play together for 30 minutes a game. I don't yeah. care if it's at the three and four, at the two and three. I, I just don't care. But those are our two future starters, and they need to be together, like, as much as possible. And so that leads me to my next point, which is, uh, are we trading Wesley Matthews at the, at the All-Star break? By the All-Star break. I don't know who – well, okay. It's interesting because last year I would have said, I don't know who takes that contract. Now his contract actually seems kind of reasonable when you figure, like, Victor Oladipo just got $21 million a year from the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, his contract is not as crazy given the economics of the league. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think they may look for something like that depending on how the season is going. Like, if he is still – you know, the other part is he has to kind of do better to be a desirable trade piece. You know, otherwise we're not getting anything for him. Um, and so for him to do better, obviously the team would do better, and then it turns into this why are we trading this guy sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I I think that's a possibility if, if things play out the right way. I just – you know, nobody comes to mind as a potential trade partner. You know, a lot well, of the big that are maybe I, one player away, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think we're looking at, okay, let's say at the break we're like 15 and 25, something like that, where um, we're like, uh, you know, if we can get something. We're listening, essentially. And the three teams I thought of was like Clippers, Cleveland, Toronto. I mean, for them – one of those teams to offer us a first rounder for West Matthews, I'd do it in a second, you know, with some expiring contract. Would you do that trade? Yeah, if we can get a first round pick, but I don't think anyone's giving us a first round pick for Wesley Matthews. I think the best oh. we could do is probably a second round pick and hopefully like a younger guy or a European that's been stashed or, or something like and I know that really degrades his value, but I'm just saying like right now like, what's his top form? You know, and his top form is probably when we got him, which was he shoots about 40% from the three-point arc, and uh, he's a really good defender. Yeah, but I think that 3 and D guy is pretty valuable, and he's a good team player. Like, like look, Clippers have needed a small forward for about five years now. So if he could play a little small forward, that could help them out. Doc Rivers is terrible at trades. Um, I think that's – if Channing Fry got a first-rounder last year at the – you know, I, I think it's possible. It's all the I think I, – you know what? I think the Clippers might be a possibility if they're kind of knocking at the door there with the Spurs and the Warriors. Like, if if they've been competitive against those teams and if they do kind of have the one-player-away feel for them. Because, really, like, they're kind of an all-in team this year. If it doesn't work this year, there's going to be some major changes for the Clippers. Exactly. So that could be they, they could be a desperate enough to make a move there. And you uh, know what? I I, I like Ron, that that Clipper team would be really interesting with Matthews at the three because they can I I'd be fascinated to watch them play a team like a Golden State because Matthews 
wouldn't necessarily have to go up against the best player all the time, but he would be one of their defensive stalwarts in the starting lineup, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, you've got him in that situation defending, what, Clay Thompson, maybe? Yeah. I don't know, Clay Thompson, probably, yeah. Thompson, or uh, depending on what lineup they play, if they put Durant at the three or the four, you know, it, it shifts things. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm just saying that, like, I could see there being a soft market for Wes Matthews, and I'm totally for getting whatever you can for them, Tim, because uh, he's just taking time away from Justin Ant. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, as, as if we start to uh... – you know, it's interesting. These first three games have been competitive, but obviously we've lost, and you can tell down the stretch that, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I was really like, it's going to take something major here for us to pull this one out. Like, I definitely yeah. real confident that we had enough to win those games, and I think there's going to be a ton of games for the Mavericks like that. So I think if the win-loss record starts to go like you're talking about, where – yeah, we're competitive, but look, we're we're ten games under five hundred. Yeah. yeah, I think you do start shopping him around. I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Williams is on the trading block then as well, because he's on an expiring contract, and somebody who wants a veteran point guard might be willing to take him on. Now we don't have yeah. that guy to step in there and, and play the point unless we're really bullish on Seth Curry, but um, you know uh, that's somebody else who I think there could be a market for. No, I agree. And then uh, the other team I thought of was potentially like a Utah might like bringing Wesley Matthews back just as a, a veteran leader. He started there. Um, yeah. They don't need another first-round pick, another young guy to add to the team, you know, at pick right. like 22 or something. So I think that would be a great deal for them because they brought in Joe Johnson, and essentially that's going to sour and um, I don't know. I, <laughs> He's been I, great so far. but He has. He has. But yeah. eventually they're going to look around and be like, okay, you know, I, I don't know. When Hayward gets back, Hayward's going to be a free agent. It, it just might get – I don't know. He he hasn't – from what I've observed, the his stops haven't been, you know, uh, they don't end well. So we'll see what happens to Joe Johnson if you talk. But uh, yeah. I do like – yeah, I just think there's some options. He's not a bad asset to flip, and um, I don't know. I'm looking out for that. All right, as we're trying to keep this podcast to 30 minutes, what what do you have as a quick hit thought of our first three games? You know, first three games, I think the thing that it was exactly – it was almost exactly what I expected. I mean, obviously I didn't expect Derek to miss – two games, I, I didn't expect it to be 0-3. You know, I thought the fact that minus Dirk, we were really competitive against the Rockets and, and really almost pulled those games out, I thought was probably a good sign. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that's just going to be the story of the season. It's, as a Mavericks fan, it's going to be both fun and frustrating to watch this team all year because they're going to be in pretty much every game, you know, except, you know, so let's say Golden State, San Antonio, and Cleveland might run away, but I think for the most part it's going to be really competitive and, and fun. And I think there's a chance that as a couple of these guys develop, you can really see some things emerge and, and some guys step up. And it could be a really fun team come the second half of the season when the schedule does start to soften up. So, 
you know, this week they got Utah, Portland, and Milwaukee, and those are three teams that, I mean, I'll probably say this over and over, but I, we could go 3-0, and we can go 0-3, and, and it wouldn't surprise yeah. me either way. No, that's true. That's true. And, and you know, going back to your uh, thing about just exciting, you know, people might, players might step up, I – that that's what led me to my criticism of Wes Matthews and Dwight Powell is who would you rather see those two play for 30 minutes or Justin Anderson and Salah Medry? I mean, Justin Anderson and Salah, they are, they, I have never met, I've never met either of them, but I've never seen two players <laughs> who have just the, they, they literally think they belong so much that they, they create excitement with their just being on the court. And it's so fun to watch. Like, Measury's overconfidence index is just off the charts, you know, and I love it. it it's, it's like – It's really amazing, yeah. He, I heard him in an interview last year, and, you know, they were calling him, and he was talking about, you know, kind of in his broken English, how they keep calling him rookie. And he really takes offense to that because he's like, I'm a professional basketball player. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right, solid speeds up, okay? <laughs> well, and when they when they started him against OKC and he's just like, yeah, because I always block their shots. <laughs> and, you know, he played terrible in that series after they started him. But I don't care. That's the thing. It's like. He blocks shots. He's exciting. He's getting dunks, and he's just so confident. And it's it's really fun to watch. And the same thing with Justin Anderson. I, I just, you know, every time Dwight Powell screws up, it's it's like the low self esteem just just jumps out. You see it in his face. Like, oh, I'm not going to take another shot for this quarter, you know. And it's just it's just depressing. I love, I love self esteem. I think you mean Canadianism. Yeah, I think that's just <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And again, I like the guy. Yeah. I again I wanna come back next week and talk about his three twenty point games this week. I like the guy. But man, Measury and Anderson just jump everywhere and just go crazy and I feel like those guys can develop. So uh two quick quick points. Um Seth Curry, Andrew Bogut, um, I, neither of them, I would say, disappointed or impressed this week. I would say they were just kind of there. Is that fair to say? I was shocked, I was shocked to see that Andrew Bogut's averaging 11 rebounds a game because mm-hmm. when I've watched him, I'm just like, God, he doesn't do anything out there. And then I look at the stat sheet, and he's got a ton of rebounds. So that, yeah. was, uh, that was surprising. Yeah, and we'll get into this later in the year, but um I I'm still I'm still leaning towards the Mavs re signing Bogut just out of the lack of alternatives. And okay. uh, you know, as long as I think if we could keep the deal to like a three year deal, you know, three years, thirty six million, something like that, I think it'd be a good deal for the Mavs. Um uh, I don't know if he'd take that. But um you know he's yeah I- He's, yeah, he's serviceable. For Bogut next year, but yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, you know, he's he's looking at extending his career. We've got a good medical staff, good environment. He's already won a title. I, I don't know. I could see him just. He's got stability with the coach. 
there's not a lot of places he could really go to and get all that. Um, yeah. And the big contract places might be just areas he doesn't want to go to. I mean, I guess he could sign with like a Utah or something and just go back. Did he? What did he play college in Utah? No, he came straight from Australia. Are you sure? uh, Did he play at Utah? I thought he came (laughs) right out of... No, I think he played at Utah. All right, well... We're going to look that up when we're not in the car. We're going to get back to that. So he might... Okay, if he played at Utah, he played like a year at at Utah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not saying he was BYU. He was a Ute. But... um, I know. Okay, but uh, anyways, I I could see some options for him, but I I definitely think it's probably better than fifty fifty. He'd be open to stay with the Mavs, and uh, I don't know. I, I I would keep him. I think he's a good presence with Dirk, and then with Barnes, and then uh, whatever first rounder we get. Um, last point, I think this all leads to. Uh, I would love for us to get a a nice. Uh, creating, what is it, shot-creating wing in the draft this year because I, I really feel like that's what our, our team is lacking. Somebody, when J.J. Barea is your only guy that penetrates, yeah, I, I love J.J. Barea. I love him. I'm so glad we picked him up for nothing. But um, not many GMs would say that's a good thing if he's your only penetrator. <laughs> No, and that's where I hope that uh, as the season goes on and they just play more, you know, Anderson and Barnes can start to do some of that. You know, you saw them start to do a little bit of it in a couple of the games last week, but just, you know, become more consistent and, and become, you know, have some have some go-to shots and just be able to do some things out there. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, the other night when Dirk was a late scratch, I think Curry started. I think Carlisle just didn't want to have nothing coming off his bench by starting Berea. You know, he needs to keep Berea on the bench because that's the offensive spark coming in there. And so yeah. to your point about Powell or, or even, uh, you know, Justin Anderson, it's like we need somebody else to come in off the bench. And I think they're they're expecting Seth Curry to maybe develop into that as well. Uh, yeah. Obviously he started – night, but I think they want him to come in off the bench and, and just, you know, fill it up a little bit, which he, he has the ability to do to an extent. You know, he certainly showed that in college. He hasn't done much of that in the pros, but he's shown flashes. Yeah, I mean, I'd really like to see uh, Anderson get the start on Wednesday in Utah, just because I, I don't anticipate Dirk playing on Wednesday. And uh, still, you know, I, I know there's that whole, like, second team thing and you know, that's why we kept Ray on the bench, but I, I'd still like to see uh, Anderson and Barnes together, especially in that 3-4, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we see that, maybe we don't, but uh, that's what I'm looking for. And uh, I don't know. Is that all we have this week? I think that's all we have. I think, you know, 0-3 start, you know, it's, it's a bummer, but I think uh, good things are ahead for the team. Yeah, and again, as long as the games are competitive, I think this is the best-case scenario for the Mavs. So uh, keep on developing those players. Go Mavs. Go Mavs. (laughs) All right, Till next time. I'll see you. Bye. All right, take care.